Hey, what's going on? My name is Coach Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. In each episode, we'll explore topics that inspire you to be yourself, live your truth, and make lasting friendships. In this episode, I have an interview for you from Paul Socket. So much like the interviews that you've heard this year, this one was recorded a whole year ago. Paul talks about the stories that we tell ourselves to keep stuff in our lives, like things, people, ideas. And he brings up the idea to question that story and make a choice, a conscious choice around making a change. So for me, I reflect on this and I, I know that's exactly what happened to this podcast is that I was getting a bit overwhelmed and I had to make a choice on what to do. And I'm very proud and happy to say that it wasn't a decision, but it was definitely a nice choice. Listen to find out what I mean. I hope you enjoy. I'm here today with another interview. Pretty excited. It's been a while since I've had an interview. I want to introduce you to Paul Socket. Now, I've only just talked to him for a moment, but I really like his message and I really think he's going to share something insightful with you all today. So, Paul, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're here? Uh, well, my name is Paul Socket. I am a storyteller, actor. Uh, I'm a coach, a streamlining coach, a workshop leader, um, multi-potentialite. So that's why my fingers are in many pies. Why am I here today? I'm here today to have uh, what I hope is going to be a really uh, interesting, exciting conversation and also to share some thoughts on uh, how we can let some of the shame go. You said hope with a really, really hard hope. Like, hope this is going to be a conversation. It's definitely going to be a great conversation. (laughs) Yes, no doubts about it. So first of all, though, can you tell me what this streamlining coach is about? What is that? Yeah, so streamlining is a process that I've uh, created over the last... 12 to 18 months and it is about helping people and inviting people to make conscious choices and also to notice the patterns that they have and the relationships they have uh, with their stuff and that could be physical stuff it could be the words we use could be the friends that we have and the relationships that we have Um, I just feel that life is made up of a series of items and it might sound a little clinical, but everything that we incorporate and introduce into our space is made with story in mind. And so I help people notice the story that they are telling and to also ask the question whether that story is true for them anymore. And so they get to make a new conscious choice based on what's true for them now. Okay, so I hear you saying that Everything is an item, essentially. That's the the way to look at it. You call it you call it stuff, so you can apply your uh, process to it and make a decision about it. So I'm a little confused, though. What when you mean by story? Can you tell us what you're saying? Uh, story of an item or story of stuff? So I interchange the word story and identity, and I believe that identity is the person that we learned to be the words we learn to say, how we learn to react in order to feel safe, in order to feel some sense of control 
in the situation and the space that we were in when we were young. And those patterns, those habits, that learned lived experience is what uh, I'm finding and I found for myself helped shape my choices as, as to what I acquired and what I kept. And there was a point where I realized that that story wasn't true anymore. And so, yeah, so I made new choices. You were saying that as you were younger, you have created, you had a space where, you know, you had experiences that kind of helped you dictate or um, that allowed you to, to keep certain items, whether that be people, whether that be things like around, around you. And that's what, that's the story you told yourself of them. I think basically there's a reason why, you know, you grow up and you have these experiences and then you, you keep these people or things around because they served you when you were that age. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it provide now it created an identity for you. Is that right? Am I getting warmer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So I believe that the stuff doesn't create the identity our mm. identity shapes what we acquire and what we do. Ah. So, for, so I'll, I'll give you an example from my life. So yeah. as I grew up and my, the, the parenting I received, the school I went to, the teachers I had, the friends I had, all of these different experiences, I learned to feel safe in those spaces if I was useful. Being useful validated my, my existence it made me feel safe in those spaces because if I was useful, then people wouldn't discard me. We're all just seeking safety. And for me, my experience led that usefulness, utility was what kept me safe. So as I grew up, I would acquire things that helped me provide that identity, provide evidence of that story to other people and to myself about how useful I was. So I I chose to become a professional actor 16 years ago. And so that usefulness had evolved a little bit, had adapted because I was now, whatever I was, 25 or something like that, 20. And being prepared, being professional, being ready, those were the words that that I used to define my identity. And so what I did was I started to acquire plays and theatre reference books, these pieces of material that made me feel ready, professional, useful. And the first book was fine. And the second book was fine. But it got to a point where I acquired over 600 books. And I'm not a big reader. (laughs) Wow, wow. Yeah. And so... The energy that it took to keep these things, to store these things, to move those things if I, was, if I moved house, um, the logistics around it of like hiring a, a larger vehicle to carry all of my stuff because I now had seven boxes worth of books. All of these po- components of energy were draining. And what it did, it made me the, the discomfort, the discomfort of telling that old story was greater than the discomfort of what if I made a new choice 
up until that, up until a certain point, I was more comfortable telling the old story that I needed to prove that I was useful, right? Than it was to step into the unknown and ask different questions, right? So let me get this straight: you were you're working to prove that you were useful. That was your identity because of you know your experiences, and that is what made you feel safe mm-hmm. to be useful. And so you picked up skills that showed that you were useful. And you also picked up items like books that kind of showed that you were useful. And to continue on showing that you were useful, you're taking um, actions, like do some of the decisions in your life. Those are things that you do to show that you're useful. And then you continue acquiring things that demonstrate that you're useful. So physically people can see, I'm useful. And you can also see yourself, I'm useful. I've got 600 books on being useful. So there I am. (laughs) And so even though there were 600 books, you were carrying those around and you travel from country to country too. You travel the world, you're a world traveler. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't imagine you carried 600 books with you, but it's just a trap. It's just like a demonstration of how strong the belief is Mm -hmm. unless you consciously make a choice. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yes, I may not travel the world with 600 books, and I don't have 600 books anymore, but, but we'll get to this idea of less being better and how that isn't necessarily true. Um, but I still had to exert energy on what I was going to do with those books while I was somewhere else. Do I take them to my parents' house and, and put them in the loft so they're out of the way and not a problem? And, and in that case, do I have to hire a van? Do I have to, you know, exert the physical energy of carting seven big boxes of books up a rickety ladder into the loft of my parents' house? You know, this is all energy. It's all energy when it all comes down to it. All comes down to the choices I made. And it's, and I just want to jump in here because you've used the word decision a couple of times. And I think societally we interchange those words. But for me, words, I mean, as an actor and performer and storyteller, I'm big on words and the, and every word contains energy in my opinion. Yes. So so I don't use the word decision. That is my, Mm. ironically, my choice is not to use the word decision. I use choice instead. And the reason is decision like incision. The idea is to cut away. So the, the analogy that I have is say you've got a tabletop and on top of that table are all of the things, all of your, your options. To decide means you swipe everything but one thing off that tabletop. And you have now committed to that one thing. It could be a job. It could be, you know, a kind of career choice. It could be an item. could be a feeling. could be a relationship, right? Everything else has been swiped off the table because that's what decision is. We cut away all but one thing. There will come a point, potentially where we want to make a different decision. However, everything else is on the floor over there and it's strewn all over the place. The energy it takes to go and pick everything up and put it back on the table before we get to make another decision, we've we've drained ourselves already. Choice means everything's on the tabletop as it was at the start and I get to choose one thing And everything else stays on the tabletop. I use, you know, or or implement whatever this thing might be, whether it is a job or a relationship or a a thing, 
And if I want to make a new choice, I put the item back where it was and I have everything at my disposal again. I have everything still on the tabletop. Now, in the time I've used this choice, some things may have like disappeared, right? It's magic, poof, and, or changed into something else because our life mm -hmm. is now in a different thing. However, everything is there and ready for us. So the energy of commitment is a lot less weighty if we make choices instead of decisions. Because we get to put the one thing down and choose something else that is in alignment with our story, in alignment with our needs, in alignment with our wants and the context of the situation we're in. And it's just, the, the stakes are so much lower. And it's much more playful and curious, curiosity-led and inspirational and fun. And isn't that, I mean, life's meant to be that, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you. I, I really enjoyed that analogy too. Um, analogies are just so helpful for me. And um, this analogy makes a lot of sense to me the thinking about us being a library. I'm thinking about these books on the table. You know, we have all these things that we've accumulated throughout our lives. And we, it, it's really difficult, I think, as you say, decision to make that decision to swipe things off the table. It takes a lot of energy to do that as well, like deny everything that you've ever known and ever had and all those, your whole identity, it feels like that's what's happening. Whether, I mean, but when you're making a choice, essentially you go to the table and you're like, well, I want to try this thing today. I want to try something I did in the past and see if that works for me. And if it doesn't, you bring the book back to the table and you try something else. That makes a whole lot of sense. It's less committal, I mean, and the fact that you're tearing down yourself and trying to build yourself back up by not making the decision, that's a really great analogy. Dis decision is also often, mm, how do I want to word this? We often use decisions using information that is outside ourselves. So we, we will try and predict what our family will think. We will try to predict what our partner thinks. We will try to predict what our children need and want. We will try to use lots of external information that we actually don't know whether it's true or not, but we'll use our guesswork to help shape this decision. You know, what, what are the shoulds? This is where decision is where shoulds come in. Because, oh, no. because yeah, right? Because, <laughs> because, decisions are destination-based. They're very linear. They are, that's it. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. But, but the fact that we are at various points of our life expected to know terrifies me and makes me really sad because what it doesn't allow for is choice. What it's asking for is to swipe everything else off the table for their safety, not ours. So we're often trying to protect everybody else by not confusing them, by not making mm -hmm. them feel insecure. You know, if we've got a, a partner and, a, you know, romantic partner, whatever, and we don't want to commit to one thing, be it, uh, you know, a source of income or, a, a, I don't know, a way of going on holiday or a car or something like this that can make the partner feel uncomfortable. But there is a space to navigate where you can negotiate this space together about how you can wander, how you can explore, how you can be curious. Right. 
but that requires the de- the relinquishing of destination, the relinquishing of answers for simply information. Oh my goodness. The world is going to turn upside down because that's all we know. <laughs> exactly. That's, <laughs> that's all, all we, we know. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's specific points in life. And I think the generation after us, uh, you're a millennial. Is that right? I'm 37. I, what yes. Does that so mean? you're a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I hate labels. This is the thing. So I'm like, I don't identify as a millennial. I don't identify as, as, as that kind of thing. It makes no sense to me. It's all about divisiveness. So I, so yeah, if I'm a millennial, I'm a millennial. <laughs> all right. You're a 37-year-old man who may have a different perspective on life than the people who are in their 20s today. I think right. that, that works better. So I'm with you. I'm in that age bracket as well. So I know when we were growing up, there was... I mean, before us, there was a, a, a destination, like there's things that you had to do. All right. You've got to graduate from college, get married, have kids, uh, get a job. Well, hopefully you get a job before you get married and have kids. But, you know, those are things that you need to do. 2.5 kids in a picket fence, a white picket fence. Mm-hmm. It was it was in that. So it was like destination, destination. It's it's a anxiety producing, right? I'm not hitting the mark. I'm supposed to be here. I'm 37. What? I'm 38. I don't know what's going on. I don't have any kids. What do I do? And if your life was built on making a decision, it would feel like you'd be in a lot of trouble with that. So then you help people recognize their choices that they have? I invite people to make conscious choices. Mm. Um which is not as easy as it sounds. It's incredibly simple, but not easy. And that's a really important differentiation. Yeah, because what I think we get weighed down by is the fact, well, this is a simple task. Why am I not doing it? And part of that is we are squashed by this productivity, busyness paradigm, which is constantly be busy. Prove you're better than somebody else by, you know, working an extra hour or whatever it might be. Yeah. Because something is simple, what that is, is that is the analytical side. That is the, um, it rem- it's objective. The actual um, ease of something re- requires us to be aligned emotionally and energetically. Because going to a wedding hopefully you know that you don't want to go to and hopefully that isn't your own because if if there is we've got problems and we need to have a conversation <laughs> but but going to some sort of social engagement that you don't want to go to the process is simple right you you find clothes you put on clothes you get ready on the day and you go simple right but if we don't want to go energetically emotionally we are not aligned with the action so that's why it's not easy that's why we sort of stay in bed an extra five minutes and then we end up rushing because we know we've got to go because we said we would and we sh- and we need to because you know uh because all the other people would be upset etc etc that isn't easy <laughs> it's not easeful and mm-hmm. so and so there is this is where negotiation is uh becomes possible yeah like um in your example that you're talking about here if you don't want to go then what is your identity what story are you telling yourself that you have to get up and go like you were saying like carrying around the books 
it takes a lot of energy to do that. And so for this person who doesn't want to go to their um, this wedding, it takes a lot of energy and emotion that they just don't have to do it. I'm thinking this is where you kind of invite someone to make a choice about what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Yeah. Well, the difficult thing is, and, and I say difficult because that's this is what I see, and also I find mm-hmm. I feel this myself, is because we are conditioned to do the thing to protect other people and we're told to compromise and sacrifice and we can get onto those words as well if we want um because we're busy protecting somebody else what it means is we often miss the opportunity to be honest so when the invitation comes in the first instant and we have to somehow know how we're going to feel in three months' time or six months' time when someone sends a reminder of, we're getting married, save the date. We have the space to ask the question, how long do I have to RSVP? Right? That could be a first low-stakes uh, question because... No one says, oh, please RSVP by. They just say RSVP. And that there's this sense of urgency around, oh, they need to know. I know that weddings are stressful. I don't want to make them more stressed, right? But potentially the question could be asked. And it might allow us time to sit into how we feel about it. But because of this desire to protect others, and therefore protect our identity as caring, supportive, always there. These, these ideas that, they, that that is all you are all the time mm-hmm. is really difficult yeah. to navigate because you are a diversely orientated person and your feelings run the gamut of deeply, deeply sad to ecstatic, joyful, gleeful, you know, all of these things and everything yes. in between and around. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, and I say it and everything around because it isn't, like I say, a linear process. The opposite of happy isn't sad. It's, it's this flat plane where all of your emotions exist. And like a neural network, they're all firing between others. So sometimes something feels incredibly difficult and you feel happy, but you also feel confused. And, you f- you know, and then we feel a little bit sad or uh, angry. And it, none of it makes sense sometimes. Right. And right. that's okay. That's the other space I invite people into is to, is to explore acknowledging that it's okay. You know, I'm stuck with this analogy because the books just keep flying around in my head. I'm just thinking about how these books are, are being applied here in your analogy again. So back, back at the table with all these books, and I'm thinking this person that we're talking about right here has all these emotions. There are books that are sitting on the table. There are all these emotions and these ideas. And um, they're just like, mm, I don't know what to do with these they're just there i'm not going to show them to anybody i'm not going to do anything with them because they're i'm not going to acknowledge them essentially you're saying that those things are there and you have to pay attention to them like show them to someone 
once in a while because that is your truth. Essentially, it's not you always being the go-to person who has lots of energy and is excited about it. You're right now the I don't want to do anything person and I want to lay here and pout about it and that's okay. And it's an invitation to to recognize that that's there, first of all. You didn't decide to throw everything on the floor and then show that to other people. Like, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is who I am right now. And it, it is not permanent, but it is how I'm feeling right now. And and as a person that I trust and I want to connect with, I'm going to show you that. Yeah, I mean, that... Am I rocking this analogy? Or... You're rocking this analogy. <laughs> I mean, we, we can get super meta if we want, right? That's so we could say favorite. all of the books on the table are versions of our stories, right? Because we yeah. never just read a book about someone that's happy for 300 pages, right? Yeah, no. An interesting book is one that takes us through the ups and downs and the roundabouts and how someone works something out Mm -hmm. and how they communicate with us, et cetera. If we want to use one of these books, and let's say this selection of books right now are, uh, are emotion books, there's one that contains happiness and confusion or anger and gratitude right this these really diversely different yeah. feelings that can exist at the same time it's both and it's not yep. i'm angry and that's it right we can choose those books to go in this moment this book you know mm-hmm. it's it's the happy and confused or this book at this moment is angry and and grateful or fearful and and excited uh we just get to keep making those choices rather than sell, than deciding upon a book that is going to fulfill our communicative expression for the the rest of this conversation or argument or on like email thread with your work colleagues right it, it yeah. really does fit within every context of life mm. um as to the choices we get to make so and just if I can uh, ask you about your choices. So we started to talk about it and your choices. How did you come to decide? Well, oops, that's the word. <laughs> so I'm conscious. I'm conscious now of that word and what it means and what it what it means and what it can represent. So I definitely will find myself saying it and being like, oh, there's that word. Anyway, back to you and your so about you, how did you come to uh, make the choices that, that you have to even get to this program to share with other people? Good question. Um, well, so I, I, it must have been this one, one more book when I noticed this discomfort, when I noticed something didn't feel right about telling this story. And we, we see stories, we hear stories of people just going, and I just got rid of everything, and I felt great, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I procrastinated. I noticed something different because the discomfort was greater telling the old story than it was about, wait, what? 
and what if and all of these things I didn't yet know. So mm-hmm. I procrastinated because it was new and uncertain and scary because of that. And also mm-hmm. interesting and exciting. See, different different book to pick up off the table. Yeah. So if I could ask you, though, what were some of those what ifs that were, were scary and exciting for you? What if I didn't have any books? What if? What if I sold as many as I could? What if? I got to choose a different identity. What if, what if I'm hurting myself? What if I'm not being true to myself? Like, it, I mean, and I'm, I'm a, <laughs> my brain is always on the go. So right. in those moments, those what ifs go from existential, what if I'm not a good person? What if, what if this means that I am hurting other people down to what if I didn't have any books? Right. So it it doesn't have to be something that's completely rational. Like people would think like, Oh, you know, it could be something that is you in your story. What your story is your story. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I'm getting rid of books. And to some people, they might think, well, what, how would that hurt you? But I mean, when you're in this, and you're emotionally attached to all these things. Like we talked earlier about the zero waste. And if you're just throwing away 600 books, that would be terrible. That would, that would feel awful. That would feel like, um, you know, destroying the environment, losing knowledge and things like that. It's your story. It's your identity. And it determines what drives those what ifs, if I'm, I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. So the, the fear is... There is safety in the patterns that we have. And this is why habits mm-hmm. are really hard. And this is why patterns are really, can be really difficult to shift, not to break, not to, you know, these kind of aggressive words, to transition from one thing to another can be incredibly hard because I'm 37 and I've received 37 years of conditioning societally and I've received uh, or should I say and I've implemented one identity for 25 years and there's safety in that because I know how to respond to people saying a certain thing I know how to f- I know how to feel in order to be okay in a space I know how to look to not show someone that I'm feeling sad or vulnerable or angry or happy even, depending on the context. Mm -hmm. So by the curiosity of what if can be terrifying because what it means is we every single choice that we've made up until now is not wrong and we get to make a new choice that is absolutely potentially absolutely different to any of the choices we've ever made before and so we don't know what's going to come from it we don't know how we're going to feel about it we don't know how people are going to respond to it and that unknown that scarcity and shame is what keeps us in our patterns Mm, yeah definitely yeah because i could choose to keep something And there is the shame 
that I should have gotten rid of it, right? Because less is more. That's the messaging, less is more. So if I choose to keep something, the shame of societal conditioning is that I should have gotten rid of it because less is more. Or maybe someone else could have used, could use it or whatever. Right. I, could, I could add any of those stories in there. If I right. do choose to, to release something, to not keep something, the scarcity model, scarcity energy of societal conditioning tells me that I should have kept it because it's wasteful if I release it. Because you'll mm. probably need it. And then you'll have to buy another one. And that's a waste of money. Mm. And do you have that money? And blah, 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 blah. And suddenly we're on this snowball, like descending a down, you know, down the, the mountainside. Yeah. Trapped. Yeah. And so our choice becomes irrelevant because either if I choose to keep something or not, I'm still trapped in this idea of wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what, yeah. what does that then mean? What it means is I need to look outside of myself for an answer or I need to look outside of, my, outside of myself for a service or I need to look outside of myself for an item that will provide me with the capacity to be better as a person. No, thanks. I call BS on that. Mm. But, but we've all received that all of the time, every right. day. So if anyone is listening to this and has ever had any difficulty or any difficult feelings about keeping something or not keeping something, that's totally normal and totally understandable because that's where they, capital T, they, want you to be. Yes. Oh, so I was letting you go on a roll, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's like a social movement for a second then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Oh, that was so inspiring. I think we have a lot of the common uh, themes in our lives, so the same as far as the shame goes and looking inside instead of outside for the things. And I really like how you um, explain how we are conditioned in that way. Like you, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, and you're over here confused, and you're getting this message that whatever you need is on the outside, and you got to go find that thing on the outside, which most people have found that it's not the case, and I'm sure for myself that is not the case. I've not found it outside of myself, so um, I like how you made sure that people feel like it, you know, it's safe that you are wherever you are. You know, if you're in that position, recognize that it's all right. And you also do coaching around this. Can you tell us about your coaching services? Yeah. So I tend to work with people over six sessions. And uh, throughout that process, I allow for, for the client to practice choice making so i a, a lot of a, a kind of flexible space for when they can book a session um because because to me there are not six steps to success or there's not like three things you can do to get a thousand people on your email list or this idea of 
this rather formulaic pick a number and pick like like an adverb or something and just sort of go yeah <laughs> seven stepping stones or you know six checkpoints or like i there's no destination guys no destination right. exactly because if you get to the point where you have seven figures right but everything you've been doing has been based within this funnel of i've just got to get to seven figures regardless of sacrificing all of my basic human needs in order to get there then you're going to get there and you're going to be exhausted right first and foremost yeah. you're going to be exhausted and then you get there and it might not be the viewpoint that you were hoping for mm -hmm. which is okay it's all information this is the thing so again we've reached yes. the destination and it's not about this is the answer or or this is what this means about me as a person if I'm not happy, right? Because then we slot, again, we slot into the shame scarcity mindset of going, um, well, you got there, so you should be happy about it. Or you got here and you weren't happy, so you should have done something different, better, more improved, you know, et cetera. So again, we're there and we're fluctuating between this impossible paradigm where, where we're never enough. Yeah, never. So, so that's where I come in as a coach is I invite people to align with their needs first. Like th the first thing of any choice is have I met my needs and then what are my wants? We also get to notice the shoulds, but we don't utilize the shoulds because we just get to notice because the shoulds are the conditioning right so this is where we get to separate them we get to go oh these are the shoulds they are not wants or needs so the basic human needs shelter sustenance you know food and water uh sleep mm -hmm. or rest and uh connection to the self or to others those are our basic human needs those are the only things that we can ever sacrifice we can't sacrifice anyone's anyone else's time. We can only ever sacrifice our sleep, right? If I just stay up another hour mm -hmm. to work, then it means I'll be ahead the next day and I'll feel knackered, but I'll have done this thing, right? Which means X, Y, Z. I can sacrifice food and water. Right? I, can, I, can, I can buy a pre-packaged sandwich and eat it at my desk while I'm working rather than going uh, you know going out to get something natural and fresh and blah 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 um we can sacrifice connection we can either turn down the social events or we can turn down the having a bath yeah or putting on some music and just dancing around or cooking if that feels restorative to you etc right and there's shelter we can we can choose to <laughs> a rather extreme example we could choose to sleep in our car right while we are traveling for work rather than pay for a hotel or rather than go home because it's going to be an extra hour's drive even though it means i'll be back in my own house and there'll be comfort and access to food and sleep and a shower and things like that right those are the only four things that we can sacrifice and we do it all the time wait a minute are you saying are you saying that I'm not responsible for anybody else's feelings in time? No, you are not. Oh, wow. You are not responsible for the reactions of others. 
this is a slightly different conversation sort of direction, which I'm more than happy yes, to go is. on. Yes, it is. I'm going to stop. We're going to yeah. go back to, we're going to go back on to what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. So in terms of working with my client, what I do is, is I, is I celebrate those clients. I, I'm an, I'm an, I, I identify as an empath and I feel I feel the discomfort that a client feels when I tell them that they're enough. When I tell them that the most revolutionary thing that they could do is to say they are interested in something different. And by being in this coaching call, that is a revolutionary act because it is outside the parameters of the social conditioning they've received for however long they've been alive. Yeah. So it's not a case of coming in needing needing help. It's just about holding a space for someone to explore outside of this very linear, very sort of black and white, left and right, you know, uh, dichotomy-based world that we live in. Yeah. So it seems like um, you're your coaching call or your call to action for people, it seems very like, um, now I'm searching for the right words for this. <laughs> it's, it, it seems like this is very intuitive and people are recognizing um, some discomfort. Uh, they don't quite know exactly what the discomfort is. They're like, I, I feel like I, I kind of think I should be doing something else or feel like it, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And it's like a conversation with you that kind of helps them get to this point where they can take a look around and make choices. You can help them make those kind of choices and, and celebrate like, oh yeah, what? I didn't know I had this choice. I always thought I had to make a decision. Now I've got a choice and you're saying it's okay for me to do that? You'd be the, the safe place, the person, the coach who can actually demonstrate that for them. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and the really what's the word I want to use we're being choicey with our words both of us <laughs> yeah well this is this is this is life really what I'm finding is about slowing down mm -hmm. because the quicker I look to speak the more I'm trying to provide an answer and I don't need to know the answer so that means I get to choose the words I want to use in this moment that feel good to me because I'm not responsible for how you respond to them. Right? So this is where slowing, so by actually going, what, what do I actually want to say right now? It, 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 for me anyway, it is a little touchstone to remove myself from the shoulds, to just return to breath and go, you don't need to provide an answer. There are no answers. What do you feel and what do you want to say in this moment? So that's why I ask myself out loud, <laughs> what, what word do I want to use right now? Is because we, we get that choice. We always have a choice. When I work with clients, I use a process that I created, which is inspired by the circular economy called the four Rs, to design out shame and scarcity. Mm -hmm. 
And what it does is it allows clients to gather information rather than find answers. Because if we gather information, what we have is a, um, a series of data points rather than boxes. And boxes are easier because we just we know where to go for it and we pull out the box and we've got responses and we've got feelings that we know are attached to a certain context or a certain thing that might happen. But data points mean that in that moment, and our brains are mega supercomputers, you know, beings of, you know, we don't understand, they will compile those data points. They will compile that information that we've gathered. And in that moment, our intuition will connect with those data points and go, oh, this feels good. And really, that's all we need. Like, this feels good. <laughs> right because yes because that is alignment yeah joy yes i i believe so too get rid of the the shame and the scarcity mindset where you're afraid all the time and you can live and enjoy what you do you can enjoy yourself right and yeah so i'm really thrilled to hear about your i really like a lot a lot of stuff that you said i'm really excited about um this the choice, uh, actually, the choice idea, and also the idea of being careful with your words and taking a breath with it, and clearly stating that I'm not responsible for your reaction to it. Right. I love that. That's 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 one of the things I like to live by. So, <laughs> if you could, we're running out of time here, unfortunately, because we could have gone on several different directions, yeah. talking about many different things. Can you tell everyone, you know, if you're offering something special, can you tell them about that and where they could find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Soul Pocket. Uh, a little bit of spoonerisms: S A U L P O C K E T. Um, you can also check out my website, which is uh, Um I would love to invite people, if they are curious, to uh, connect for, it could be a free um, consultation call. Um, and uh, I would love to help people on their journey with two sessions um, for a hundred of whatever your currency is. Um, but yeah, if you are American, hundred dollars, if you are from the UK, hundred pounds, if you're in Europe, hundred euros, etc. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we can have a, a free little chat beforehand, 60 minutes. We can try and find some alignment and see where you, uh, where you would find it most helpful to, for me to be part of that journey. Yeah, I think that would be great. You know, if anyone out there is really curious about it, uh, he's offering a free 60-minute session so you can actually talk to him and get an understanding more of this identity that you might have and stories that you have told yourself. And um, he can help you work through those and get rid of that shame and scarcity mindset, work towards it, make choices. If that sounds interesting to you. You can find him at paulsocket.com. That's socket with two T's. And of course, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Paul, do you want to say anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I would love to share that whether you keep something or you don't keep something, you're enough. With that, 
everyone. I thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. My name is Coach Lee Hopkins, and you have been listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. You can find me at PatternsofPossibility.com and on all social media at Patterns of Possibility. And as always, I want to encourage you to be yourself, live your truth, and there you'll make lasting friendships.